Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Repeater. My name is Evan. And my name is Pat. And today on the show, we are joined by actor, comedian Jake Cornell. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm very excited to talk about music for a, a good chunk of time. Yes. Uh, we are excited to talk with you. Uh, to kick us off, we, we always like to talk about something we've been listening to lately. So we are going to do that first. And um, I think we would, Pat and I would be remiss if we did not mention that we went and saw Janelle Monet last week. Oh, I'm so jealous. It was very Guess fun. Guess who I'm going to talk about. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yes, go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, Janelle Monet. I, I've never been to a pop show like that before, and it blew my goddamn mind. Can I ask, how is the Hulu Theater as a venue? It was it not really bad. Yeah, okay. it, yeah was, cool. uh, it was interesting. So it is laid out like a traditional theater, but yeah. it's kind of just flattened a bit. Um, oh, I so like So instead of that. like tiers, like balconies and mezzanine, it's sort of like goes from the floor and just ramps up to one level. Yeah. Cool. Smoothly. Have you of. been to, uh, what is that, the PlayStation Theater in Midtown? No. In okay, well, it's like that. Great. Well, I'll know that. <laughs> cool, great. But uh, I would say it's like that venue, but better. I, cool. Yeah, it was a cool okay. space. Um, we were not in GA, which also looked fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, from our seats, we had an incredible view. Uh, and yeah, I, I really can't pick a favorite part of the night, but um, the dancing blew me away. Her voice is incredible. Um, but actually, you know what? I think I do have a favorite part. She did this like she did this <laughs> version it. of a uh, tightrope that was like seven minutes long or oh, something. That's such a good song to riff on. It was just this thing that just like crescendoed into noise and just her running around and dancing and just thrusting and oh my god, it was incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm a new person. <laughs> it was very fun. I I think one of my highlight moments for sure of that uh, show was. She came out for the start, I believe it was the start of Make Me Feel, and she got up on the top of her little platform she was performing on, dancing on a lot of the show, and sort of in like a silhouette lighting almost, she did this kind of extended Michael Jackson-esque uh, dance sequence of, you know, sort of like improvised dance. Um, it reminded me of the top beginning of like the Billie Jean music video where he just has like a break and there's no music. He's mm -hmm. just dancing yeah. around and like shouting with there's steam and clouds and stuff. Uh, that's what it reminded me of. It was very, that was a really cool moment. I was at an improv show. But oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. I, I skipped one to go to it. So You're a better man than I was. <laughs> um, but so we have, I think both, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Janelle Monet lately. Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, I've been very into Licky Lee's new album. It's like okay. a month old at this point. Have you guys listened to it yet? No. Oh. She's great. I the don't new think album I knew she had is, a new album. It's called So Sad, So Sexy. Mm. It's perfect. It's yeah. Okay, so it's 10 songs, which I love for an album. Like mm -hmm. just like 10 songs, truly all 10 are awesome. It tells such a great story. Every song is so good from the first song i listened to it i was going to my friend's apartment on the upper east side and i had my friend texted me and was like it is imperative you listen to Licky lee's new album and i like looked at the length of the album and looked at how long of a train light i had and i was like here we go Ooh, <laughs> and from yeah. song one i was like oh this is the this is it for the next like two months for me mm -hmm. and it was and it's true i've it's one of the only things i've been listening to that's awesome wow yeah it's i mean so that, good. i love that feeling when you know something's gonna be the exact length for your commute yeah <laughs> or like just under even you know you know you can get it in that's the that's the important part and i like i like like i liked Licky lee like I'd, mm -hmm. I'd been into some of her other songs before but i'd never like fallen into an album like this and i'm also sure. not 
usually and like I'm more often a song listener than an album listener and I'll make my own playlist of like said songs but this one the first song I was like oh here we go and then it just every song kept being so good yeah I mean that's awesome it was great that's very fun yeah I love that we'll have to check that out yeah yeah do it you'll be talking about it in your next podcast I promise (laughs) awesome (laughs) Can't that, wait. that is my favorite thing is when we go from it's like uh, hearing from someone <laughs> from a guest what they've been listening to lately and then on like one or two episodes later it's exactly the same yeah. thing we've been listening to. I can't wait to hear about it. Because of a good recommendation. I love that. Uh, well, what song did you want to talk about today? I wanted to talk about Sewn by The Feeling. Excellent. Let's listen to a little clip of it right now. Because you've got more uh, yeah. yeah. British. Very British, and in a in a moment, I'm going to turn into my 14 year old self. Okay. Now, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah, this is like me 13, 14, deeply. <laughs> it's good casual uh, sing along mm-hmm. chorus. Yeah, it's, it's it's very catchy, very pretty. Um, great. So that's a little taste, and uh, Pat and I are going to try to try to guess why maybe you chose that song for sure. So. I saw a YouTube comment that said this was the best song on one of the FIFA games. Uh, I'm going to guess that's not why you picked this. Okay. I'm going to guess that you picked this um, because the lyrics really spoke to you. I think you really enjoy that na-na-na bit. Um, Lyrically, it, the least important part of the song. <laughs> uh, that's me buying time while I pull, pull the rest of the lyrics up. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> an um, honest man. An honest man. But I think... So you said you were like 13, 14, uh-huh. so maybe you were uh, a little shy and trying to figure out who you were, and the lyric, um, Danny boy, don't be afraid to shake that ass and misbehave, really spoke to you, and you really wanted to like embody that to become the person who you now are. Mm. Mm-hmm. I hope that's right. I love that. Okay. Um well, I read on the Wikipedia page for this song that it was featured prominently in a One Tree Hill episode. And I'm just going to go ahead and say you're a big One Tree Hill fan. And that the moment that this song was like, whatever that well, I'm going to say it was a moment of heartbreak in the show, I'm guessing. And that it resonated deeply with you. And you had to find out what song this was. And you, you know, uh, discovered it. And uh, you were just listening to it a ton right around that time, but it was it was from that One Tree Hill episode. That's my guess. Okay, so Pat is pretty close. Mm. I've never seen an episode of One Tree Hill, <laughs> um, but in prep for this for coming here, I did also read the Wikipedia page yeah. and was like, I should find that One Tree Hill. So. <laughs> um, okay, so you were close. You had the wrong. I would say you, those are probably not the lyrics specifically, but so this song came out when I was thirteen. Um, and I was in that age from like probably 11 to 14, 15, like a big ritual for me was the VH1 top 20 countdown every mm, weekend. Uh-huh. That was like a very big thing for me. And they used to do a thing where they would, um, they would, um, they would have like a rising artist. Like they would feature someone who was not big and they would play their video during the top 20 countdown. And that was how like, um, do you ever like KT Tunstall, like yeah. Big Black Horse and a Cherry Tree? Like that song was one of those, okay, like huh. that kind of thing. So this song was one of those back 15 years ago, 16 years ago when this happened. And I heard it and was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> But and he, he wasn't out at the time, and neither was I. But mm. the lead singer of The Feeling is a gay man. Okay. And the lyrics of that song and that this whole album. So this is the first song off of the album 12 Stops and Home, which was the first album of The Feeling's career. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the lyrics of that whole album and Sown in particular are very much about being gay and closeted and coming out at least as, as I perceive them uh, mm-hmm. and being in, in like being young and like, in love with the first guy you've like fallen for. Um, so more like the, the lyric, like uh, there's a lyric, we might've just played it. The um, I can't do the walk. I can't do the talk. I can't, be your friend unless I pretend was like, mm. okay, that's my whole life right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like an awkward little 13 year old who like is pretty effeminate and like is getting called gay, but doesn't even know if he is yet, but is pretty sure he is. Like it was very much a, the song really worked for me at the time. And that album was like the first, this album was like the first album I'd been, I was, I'd been very into music already, but not like something that was felt like I was connecting to it. Like I was really, mm-hmm. Like everyone at my school was very into like Nirvana and Rancid and like music like that. And I would listen to that and I liked it, but I wasn't like, it wasn't like getting in my bones. And then this song, this album was like, no one else in my school was listening to it. I didn't know anyone else that liked it, but like, it was the only thing I cared about. I was like, this, this album is like, I feel something that these people were feeling when they sang this. Yeah. 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 That, um, it must feel almost as though, even if other people were listening to it, or it's on, you know, the VH1 yeah. countdown well, or whatever. Yeah, so people were definitely listening to um, it. But it must feel like there's there's almost like that hidden message there for you, or that there's some, the lyrics are cutting through the noise of it, you know, um, being popular, like specifically for you if you're at that age kind of going through something similar like that, especially yeah. not knowing at the time maybe that the singer is out, right? It's funny because, it's funny because like, he wasn't out at the time, but he, it was like, there, I kind of like knew I could mm-hmm. tell I was like this is about something there's a song on it called um, strange where the lyrics are like everybody knows we're strange so why can't you feel the same like it was just very much like yeah. lyrics that I was like this is exactly how these things feel for me and the the, the songwriting on this whole album and um, a lot of their other music which I only just recently started getting back into because this album didn't do well in America mm-hmm. and their next they have five albums their next two were never released in America so like you can't get them. Um, Their lyrics are like a part of like what I like their style is that their lyrics are not very metaphorical. They're very straightforward. They're very like, this is what this song's about. This is how I was feeling when I wrote this song. Mm -hmm. So it like, I always just, I was never like, Oh, like maybe he's also gay. I was like, this is, I feel that this is like about what I'm going through. Um, Yeah. And it was very, it felt like a thing it felt like my little thing because I was like in a small town in Vermont and there weren't a lot of other gay, there weren't any other gay people. <laughs> um, there was like a couple, but like it, it felt like it was um, a window into what was happening in like the world outside of rural Vermont that mm-hmm. like made me know like, Oh, there's stuff outside that is where people feel the same way I do. Yeah. Was it comforting to you in a way that the lyrics weren't very metaphorical and it was just sort of uh, the story was just kind of put out there? To be consumed? Yeah, I think so. I'm not particularly good at deciphering. When when lyrics are, like, very, like, poetic or very metaphorical or very, like, kind of um, abstract, I have a very hard time discerning what they're about. I'll oftentimes, like, go... If I'm, like, very into a song, I'll go and Google, like, what is this song about? And then once I get it, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, the, now sure, I see sure. it and now I can connect with it. I did that a lot with, like, Florence and the Machine's most recent album. I was yeah. like, what is this song about? And then I would, like, be like, oh, I would have truly never guessed that, but now that I know that it makes sense and I can, like, appreciate this on a different level. But I didn't – I with this album, I for sure did not have to do that. Yeah. 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 Well, and also I think um, most 13-year-olds are maybe not listening at the deepest levels to everything that they're taking in, you know? No, no. Um, and especially, like – or if they are, you know, they're probably ascribing everything – 
is about their experience almost where it's like as soon as any song that they like or they if they think it resonates it definitely was written like for someone who feels exactly the way that they feel and there's something very specific about that um but it's it's cool in this case because it it actually seems like that lines up with you like you're a 13 year old who really actually perceived that you know and wasn't just kind of inflating it you know in a way which is i think pretty pretty cool yeah i don't think yeah i definitely didn't have any delusions that like the lead singer was like writing these songs like about my life but i think no but i do agree with you that there was this thing of like um like you see a lot of people also like that period of time like when you're like 12, 13, 14, like is right when like everyone starts to get into music, I feel like in like Mm -hmm. middle school or high school. And so, so much like there's such a performative aspect to like liking music. It's like, I mean, we all know that thing of like, oh, well, what band do you like? Oh, really? You like, like that band? Well, what's, what's your favorite song? Oh, that's everyone's favorite song. Cool. Like you're a loser. Like, (laughs) and it's about like Mm -hmm. liking people. It was always about like liking bands before they got popular. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's such a performative quality to that, that I feel like, yeah, this felt like my little thing where I was like, I'm not really going to tell people that I'm listening. Also, like it wasn't because I was closeted. I wasn't necessarily being like, guys, listen to this band. Cause it felt like, like even so like, what's funny is like, like you, Yesterday I sent you a different song. I was like, here's a song we want to talk about. And then like walking down the street after I sent you that, I was like, wait, no. If we're talking about a song that's like important to us, it's going to be this song, which I truly don't listen to. Like, I don't listen to this album all that often. And I was listening to it yesterday. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't listen to this album that often because it feels like I'm not a diary person, but this feels like what I imagine reading your 14, 13 year old diary would feel like. Like it feels that like personal to me. Like it wasn't something I was telling people I was listening to, but it was like the thing I was listening to like yeah. alone and quietly yeah. all the time. <laughs> and there's a probably now, um, if you listen to the song, there's a gravity to it, right? Like it's not maybe, maybe not the most fun casual song to listen to because of that meaning that it holds. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like listening to like a, like another throwback from like when I was third, like if I were to listen to like, what I'm trying to think of another song from that time, like Tipsy by Jaquan. Like, you know what I mean? like I'm like, this is fun. Like this is a throwback or even like, I don't know, like um, a thousand miles of Vanessa yeah, Carlton. Yeah, like something yeah, like, sure, like sure. those are like a fun throwback to me. And like, when I hear these, when I hear this album, I do enjoy the music and there is like a, there's like a fondness and a love for it because it was so important to me, but there is also like an emotional vulnerability to it. That yeah, is a sure. little much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great that songs can both be like, uh, you know, you go back to a top 40 thing from like the early 2000s and be like, yeah, this was great. This was so much fun. Yeah. And then also the one that's uh, for when you're sad at home or in the yeah. car or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's, that's just interesting to me. Yeah. Is there a, um, is, is there like a parallel to that outside of music? Maybe uh, I just didn't think of like maybe where you grew up or anything like that. Like, is it, do you th- is it fun to go home, you know, or yeah. is it, uh, sometimes did you feel like, cause I think many of us come to New York, right. To yeah. live a different life and to, uh, move away from home. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of people have very different relationships from w- with where they came from. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, so I grew up, so I was born in Vermont in, or no, that's truly not what I meant to say. I was born in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. and I moved to Vermont when I was like six. Um, And it was like moving from a somewhat like suburban metropolitan area into like a 
incredibly rural area at a very young age. But so I always lived in Vermont knowing like this is a small town. Mm -hmm. And like most of the like I was one of the only people in that area that had moved there. So like everyone else like didn't have that scale of like this is there's only 20 of us in this. Like there's only 20 kids. Like there's Mm -hmm. only like like my high school class was a hundred kids, you know what I mean? Like, and everyone else, like that was their whole, a lot of the other people, that was their whole world. But for me, I was like, we are so isolated. And like, I always felt that way about my town, like where I grew up, like, like a great example would be like the Oscar, like every year when the Oscars would happen, like three of the, back when like the best picture nominations were only like five movies. And then like, if you factor in like what also got nominated for like best actor or best director, like let's say that's like those 10 movies, mm-hmm. like, Seven of them never came to the movie theater where I <laughs> right. lived. Like they, I didn't see them because they were yeah. not ever at the theater that I came. Like you know what I mean, like yeah. that kind of thing. So I always felt like very culturally like cut off. And then, um, and like there was there was only like one place to do theater, and it was like at my high school. And like there was there wasn't like a lot of like creative stuff happening. And then the added layer of like I was gay, and like, Verm- like rural Vermont isn't like uh, it's. It has some parallels to, like, the South, frankly. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of Confederate flags. There's a lot of uh, racism. There's a lot of homophobia. There's a lot of poverty and ignorance. And um, I didn't, like, love necessarily. I was, like, I didn't feel like I could flourish there. And then when I did, like, I came out when I was 16. So, like, two years after the period of time when I was, like, listening to this music a lot. Mm -hmm. There was, like, a feeling of, like, I did the thing. Like, I'm openly gay now, but there's, like, nothing to do about it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it would be, like, coming out and saying I wanted to date dinosaurs. It's, like, cool, there's no dinosaurs here, too, so you're <laughs> right, kind of fucked. Right. Like, um, and so, yeah, I think, like, moving to New York was definitely a thing of, like, wanting to be in a place where there is as much culture and, and like, things to do and people to hang out with because there were so many nights in high school where I was, like, I want to do something tonight, but there's not a thing to do. Like, yeah. so I think um, I do, like, it's funny because I definitely – I think probably also because I read Harry Potter as a kid and then like the feeling was English. There was always like this idea of like going away to like England or something where there's like this like culture and stuff happening around to connect to. Um, so I, I don't go to back to Vermont super often, partially because it's a, honestly a pain in the ass to get to. But like <laughs> I think there is also a little bit of like, yeah, I didn't like I left Vermont to build the life I'm happy in and it wasn't there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just um, was that had in nothing to do with music and was like an hour of conversation. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, I was just in Vermont this past weekend, actually, yeah. and um, that town is re- at a at a, a high, I think, in my lifetime for population, which is about seven hundred and ten people total. Oh. Is it Randolph that you're? No, uh, my family is from Rupert. Rupert. Vermont. I knew it was an R. I knew yeah. it was an R. And so, it, and I didn't grow up there, but I had cousins that did. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's, yeah, it's tough to, I mean, it's tough to imagine really wanting anything more. This town, for example, does not have any of its own schools. Yeah. Uh, Does not actually even have a store. You have to go to West Rupert technically to go to any kind of store. Yeah. But it has, I think, two churches and a volunteer fire department. And that's truly it. Those are the only public institutions that really exist in the whole town. Um, and I know, you know, I know very well that my cousins were bored out of their mind lots of times and they probably, who knows, like, I don't even think they were fighting any, you know, uh, issues of belonging or identity or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but to do anything, they, they'd have to basically, uh, drive to go skiing or snowboarding. Like that was like the one thing to grasp onto, I think. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge, right? That not only the boredom, but also finding people that, kind of are in your tribe, I think. Yeah, which I don't, I wouldn't say truly happened until, 
I had a very close friend group in college that I definitely connected with. Um, but like, I wouldn't say I found like the, it wasn't until I came to New York and started like doing like improv and comedy and started like pursuing acting that I really started to feel like I was genuinely surrounded by people who I like were like fully on the same like creative level with and sort of in terms of like interests and ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, but like some of my closest friends, like my best friend, David, like we were, we met when I was 12 and like what we connected on and he was closeted and gay at the Mm -hmm. same time. But like, we didn't, we didn't come out to each other for the first like four or five years, but we were talking about music. Like Mm -hmm. it was, there is that like, because music has that quality of like conveying emotion in a way that like only music can and it can can convey feeling and it can convey like ideas and just like a way of being. Um, I think there's a way to like sharing music is like kind of, even when you do it in in your day to day life, it's kind of like a coded way of being like, Hey, this is like how I feel about something or like how I feel Mm -hmm. about this certain thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Especially like I have no, um, I have no like music, like truly zero like musical training. I don't really know like the math of music. I couldn't write a song if you had a gun to my head, Mm -hmm. but like I listen to a lot of music and I listen to music a lot. And like, um, I love it very deeply, but it's like mostly because of, uh, but like I'm, when I'm not listening to music, it's not because like, oh, this chord progression is cool or the way they structured this is cool. Like I don't fucking know what any of that is. <laughs> right, right. But like the songs, like I, like your guest Brady O'Callaghan, like he and I were having drinks the other night and just talking about songs that we think are perfect because how they make us feel. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and like just that list. And it's like, and when you share those with other people, it's like a co it's kind of like a code exchange of like, this is a thing that resonates true for me. Do you feel the same way when you listen to this song or do you feel differently? What Mm -hmm. does that mean for us? And it's like a way of connecting on like a very deep level, like very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, uh, it's a perfect way to put it. You know, I can remember uh, my oldest friend in the world, Ben, um, we, we bonded over must've been in like second grade when we first did this, but we loved boys to men. And I think I think I think m- m- much of the United yeah. States loved boys to men, uh, circa 1994 or whenever this was happening. But mm-hmm. uh, they're literally probably the biggest recording artists at the time. Right. But certainly, we were like the only two like boys in our grade who got together specifically to listen to boys to men, you know, and like yeah. go through each song and talk about how much we loved it. Uh, and Michael Jackson was like the other artist at the right. time who we both just unapologetically wanted to like show each other like oh i got this album by that artist too you know and between the two of us probably had the whole catalog you, yeah. you know that kind yeah. of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was a really fun thing to do together that um you know i can now flash forward years later and be like oh yeah that's because we always resonated as these kind of like sappy romantic types right. you know um who also loved a good pop hook it's like right. pretty much like that's what it was you know yeah yeah, yeah. and like it's so true because it's like i remember and like there's also the times where like that's when like you can tell the connections like not happening like mm. i remember like there was like like the cool kids before like kind of before i think that's why i picked this song obviously it was very personal to me, but it also was like the moment where i kind of clicked into like the stuff i was into and then like I was thinking about this last night, like this, like liking the feeling led into liking Damien Rice. And then like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I was that kid who was driving down the back roads of like, like back roads of Vermont with the windows of my Jeep down screaming Damien Rice at the top (laughs) of my lungs for like roughly two years of my life. Um, And then like, you know, like that moved into liking old, like Sia's old stuff, which moved into like, and then like, you know, you can kind of track like what you were really into and how you like ended up where you are musically. But then there's also the times like, like so many people like Nirvana and Rancid and like, um, who sings 
does Rancid sing Time Bomb? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That is the band I'm thinking of. Like those, and like there was a couple other bands that like were really popular at my high school and I would always be like, yeah, this isn't, I like, like these are fun songs, but like I don't feel what these people are feeling when I'm singing it because I don't think it's like true for me. Like whatever they are sure. talking about, I don't necessarily think is like true for me right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just, it's like kind of a temperature check. I was like, okay, cool. I don't think you and I are connected right now. I don't think we're on the same wavelength. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, just went up to Rochester for my 10-year college reunion. Congrats. And uh, thank you. Uh, drove with a friend that, who I hadn't seen in like three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the first hour of the car ride was just a lot of like, you know, hey, I'm sorry I haven't texted you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you live in New York too. Whoops. Uh, right. But by the end of it, because we were driving through Western New York, so by the end of it, it was just... Let's stream a bunch of songs. We didn't have a playlist. This was all just kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, kind of like what you're saying, it went from like these crazy instrumental songs to like folk music, to pop music, to J-pop, to jazz, to just whatever. And it was because it's it's a connection that you have or like somebody that you trust, I would imagine, uh, would be willing to sort of go for that cinematic road trip adventure with you. Uh, and it's interesting how that can like really reconnect people especially when you're driving around in the mountains. (laughs) Oh my God. It's, I'm like this, these things I'm saying like on this podcast are like things I'm realizing as I'm saying them. (laughs) And like, it's so true because like, yes, because like I like, like, okay. For example, like I like, you know, like how there's a, in our, in the comedy community, we're all part of, there's like that mixtape exchange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like for, I'm assuming you haven't talked about it before. So like for listeners, it's like you basically, everyone submits like a Google form of like who you are, what kind of music you're into and then like what you absolutely don't like. And then they randomly pair two people and then you make the other person like a mix and then you can send it to them and you can do that on Spotify. You can make them an actual CD, like however you want to do it. Every, I've done it three years and I like told myself at the end of the third year, like you cannot do this anymore because like every year I have like poured emotion into this mix in a way that's like so fucked up like the second year I like sent the mix with a pdf file of like what I feel about each song and the other person just like sent their music and I was like what do I do with this this and it just felt like I was sending these songs that I were like I felt like had so much like I was like they had, had so much to say about them and like think about them that I was like it felt too callous to just like send them off into the world to this person without like kind of like connecting about it yeah and like the other person was like thanks for the mix and i was like okay it just (laughs) felt so vulnerable to me yeah i mean that's also one of the primary reasons we exchange music right um i mean it goes back to your original point there but it's i am trying to tell you something about myself probably with any mix that i'm making or i'm really distinctly trying to tailor it to something i know you're gonna care about and you're gonna love because it's the oldest is it not the oldest stereotype or like trope in the world of like you you make a mixtape for the person you have a crush on like the purpose of that mixtape is like 12 love songs that say like this is how and why i love you like that's what you're doing when you're sharing at least when i'm sharing music it is it's like communicating a way you feel about like the world or like your life or like the person you're sending it to or if i'm sending it to you because like i mean let's say right that uh, you're going to have like a party or something like that. And you ask me to make yeah. a mix or something mm-hmm. like I'm trying to, I'm like, okay, what is, what's the party that Jake wants to throw? Like what's yeah. the thing that he and his friends are going to be really into. It's going to make them feel alive. It's going to give them a good time. And you are trying to, yeah, have that dialogue. You know, you're trying yeah. to like communicate that to them in a way, in a really succinct way. I used to make mix cds for my college parties to throw in my boom box that we had on the front table uh-huh. uh 
and very quickly realized who in that room or that apartment I would want to be my friends because I had Under Pressure on there, <laughs> uh, which is a killer song that I love. And um, a lot of people really were really disappointed that it was not Ice Ice Baby. Oh, that's <laughs> wild. It's Yeah. And yeah. upsetting. Those people are wrong. Yep. But it is because it's like half of them want that. It's like what we yeah. were talking about earlier. Half of them want that fun throwback. That's like, oh, we all know the words to this, but like there's, I would guess for the large majority, not at a huge, no one has like a huge emotional connection to Ice Ice Baby, <laughs> but like it is like to like under pressure is a little bit more like there's like a grit to it and probably a you're, feeling to yeah, it. You're yeah. You're thinking about yeah. it. Uh, it's either, it's like, it's not going to be nostalgic to your youth, but it might be like because of your parents. I was going to say like yeah, under pressure, I mean, yeah. like Queen is like my dad's music. Yeah. Like that's what yeah. my dad yeah. listened to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, or it's, or it's usually something beyond that where you're like, Oh yeah, my dad always listened to it. But then it took me getting into Queen to really appreciate what that song is, or it took me getting into Bowie to know that, to understand like why Queen was cool. And it's just yeah. like that kind of thing where it's probably that so, like one yeah. layer deeper than the people that wanted to hear. I said, you know, <laughs> so it's the PDF of, description yes to go along with that yes. yes exactly i remember it wasn't that's a song's a good example i remember it wasn't until i was like in a cover band after college where we learned that song that i i'd always liked it i'd always really thought it was a great song i would have wanted to hear it at the party and i think but i think that process was when i fell in love with it because just because i was like oh i actually have to learn the whole thing and learn all the lyrics and kind of like get what this song is um and it now it's like probably one of my favorite duets of all time yeah. Yeah. So I would love to have that come on at a party. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes sense because I'm assuming you two are friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. He's putting in his bid for my friendship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it is like such, because it's also like that line of like, what is the music that you go back to because you felt so passionately about it mm -hmm. as like mm -hmm. when you, at whatever time you listen to it and like, what is the music you go back to? Cause it's like good or like fun, but like nece yeah. not necessarily like what you are like part of your heart is in. You well, know so what, what are these, describe to me again, what you and Brady were tossing back and forth songs that so oh, perfectly. I would love to talk about this. Yeah. Okay, cool. So like Brady and I were talking about this phenomenon. So like this, okay. So this is going to bring up the song that I originally sent you okay. to be my song for this episode, which was, which was a song called late night ball game by handsome, mm -hmm. who is a, like a brand new artist out of Australia. Um, they like, it's a, they make what they describe as queer pop. So it's like queer pop music. And like that song, when I heard it, I was sitting in bed with my boyfriend watching like a YouTube video and then ad came up for Spotify and the Spotify ad had this song in it. Whoa. And I was like, what's happening? Stop <laughs> it. Like, Turn off this video, pull up Spotify. Like that song, I need to hear it right now. Yeah. And I was listening to it and I was like in bed, like, huh? like it, I just like immediately <laughs> felt everything about this song, like in my bones. I was like, this is music. Like this song is, a, is like a thing for me right now. Mm -hmm, and, like mm -hmm. made it available offline. And I like looped, I put it on repeat mm -hmm. <laughs> and I listened to it over and over for like a full week. And it's like those, what are those songs that were like, that are perfect to you because whatever they just immediately perfectly like create a feeling for you. Yeah. Another song for that. Like, and we were just bouncing them back and forth. And some of them are like, mainstream pop songs like one we both felt that way about was climax by usher mm. and then, but then like another big one we both felt it for was um staring at the sun tv on the radio mm. like yeah. that song like the second that song started i was like 17 or like maybe 16 and i was just i was working at a ben and jerry's ice cream shop and i like stopped breathing i was like what is happening like, <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Those songs that just like, they, they convey an emotion that like kind of overrides whatever you were feeling or what was going on in your day at the time to just create that feeling for you right then and there. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, I don't think you can like objectively say that that, like that song may do that for me and not for anyone sure, else or not sure, for yeah. you. And then there's probably songs that do that for you, but not for me. But it's like, so those are the songs that are like, so they were like very vulnerable to share, but like yeah. with someone like Brady, who is like, all, like also talks about music at this insane level. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it felt very safe to be like, this song makes me feel this way. Like, how does it make you feel? And then yeah. to be like, yes, I get it. This like takes me over. Yeah. Was like a very fun conversation. And I feel like those catch you off guard. Yes. Like every time, even if you've heard it before, cause I've had mm-hmm. that happen mm-hmm. where a song has not landed for me and then whatever's, it's the context of life. A song will come back around and then I go, Oh, Oh yeah. I met this girl, Natalie, like the first week I lived in New York and somehow like a song came up in like one of our first conversations and like we have become very close friends and like such a big, like, like the keystone of our friendship, like such a big thing is like though we have like a very similar barometer for those songs and we'll just like without context, send them to each other. Mm. And it's always just like, Holy fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then like, like those songs just always like nail and they, you they kind of do deal, derail your day for a second. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh shit. And sometimes, but every once in a while she'll be like, I get why we've like learned each other's taste. And it's like, yeah, this sounds like something that would take you over and like not really do it for me. But like, I get it. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. I uh, was uh, just up in Vermont this past weekend with my dad and we were like sitting there playing guitar together for a little while and he kind of got up to walk away. But I think I was like trying to remember a song, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause he was trying to ask me if I knew anything and I was like, dad, I don't really like know songs anymore. Uh, and I started singing like the first verse of this Willie Nelson song. That's uh, can I sleep in your arms tonight? Lady. I think that might be the whole title. It's a long one. Or maybe it's just, can I sleep in your arms? But my dad was like walking out of the room and like stopped and walked back in. And he was like, what song is that? Like, he was like, did you write that? And I was like, no, dad, that's a Willie Nelson song. I'm surprised you don't know it. But I think that's because for me, that's one of those songs. And I think for my dad who loves Willie Nelson, I think that was like never one of those Willie songs for him. Sure. But it was funny that it like kept him in the room. Yeah. so to yeah. speak you know and he had yeah. to like ask about it and i was like yeah that's and i told him i was like that's probably my favorite willie nelson song uh and that song guts me i think every time i listen to it it's so good <laughs> i uh so after my road trip or finishing up my road trip had done like a six-hour drive back from rochester uh driving over the triborough bridge just kind of trying to stay awake i had had a coffee it was okay to drive but like you know, I was just terrified like, there for a second. <laughs> it's been like a, it was such a long day in the rain and just like miserable. So I like put on like this pump up music, like the music that will take me over. And I know that like this energy is going to be yeah. there. Uh, and it's this instrumental song, which is like a lot of guitar solos. And it just feels like it's a video game soundtrack. Uh, and it was about to get like you, I could feel the tension building to this one part of the song where it all just sort of explodes and just makes me so happy. Uh, and then the GPS just <gasps> talked over the whole thing. Oh my God. Wait, it is. Wait, you, that is. Oh my God. I was just in North Carolina all weekend for a wedding and it was so much. It was like in the, up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Mm-hmm. We like had to rent cars and I had to, I was like, you need to stop playing songs you really care about because I was losing my goddamn mind <laughs> every time. It would like crescendo and it would be like, turn left. And I was like, no. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> and the, big it was one, the saddest part of the song. You gotta tell me to turn left. <laughs> it wasn't even just like a turn left. It was like when you get to the bottom of the bridge, make a right uh, on this. And, and it's then, those highways that have like a million names. So mm-hmm. it's like US one seven Billy Nelson Parkway <laughs> turn right. Like it's like so long. <laughs> yeah, it was the Triborough, aka the RFK. <laughs> so it just read through all of that. It reads through every name. The, tri- the sh- oh, that's the worst. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. And it yeah, you can't play a song like that for yeah. risk of. I, and then you start to look at the GPS and see how much distance you have. And you're like, fuck, it's going to get, it's going to hit the part I don't want it to hit. <laughs> yeah. And then I like listen to the song again while I was looking for parking, which was much less fun. Yeah. Cause it's much less exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah you weren't a like... big crescendo while you slide into that perfect parking spot. Big crescendo doing 10 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's the opposite of a, a perfect moment for that song. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, those songs are, I mean, that's a good radar to have up, I think, is like looking for those songs, recognize them when you find them, and uh, yeah, I mean, putting them on loop. Yeah, and I was like, I had, like, when I realized that, when I found that that song, Late Night Ball Game, I was like, oh, I've been in a funk for a second, and I think it's because I didn't have one of these. Like, I wasn't, there wasn't, I feel like I, like, something wasn't getting out because I didn't have, like, that song that was, like, really, Mm -hmm. like, hitting something for me. Because I think maybe ever since I was that, like, like little gay kid who had just discovered this song, like, I've always, like, needed that. Like, I always, have, I think I just, like, need some music that is, like, really just, like, hitting something inside of me to get something out. Yeah. 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 Thanks for uh, talking to us, Jake. Of course. This was yeah. so fun. Yes. It was so great having you. Uh, where can people keep up to date with what's going on in your world? Where can they see you? For sure. So if you want to follow me on the internet, you can do that on Instagram at Jake W. Cornell. Um, and then if you want to see me perform, I perform at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Uh, my most my most like frequent show is every other Wednesday on Lloyd Night with my team Promises. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so everyone in New York certainly should go out and see Jake and that team. Very fun. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you enjoyed the show today. If you do, uh, tell a friend about it, you know. Uh, hopefully give us a little rate and review. Yeah, It's always something hope, we appreciate. We hope that we overwhelm you with emotion and joy. <laughs> I hope uh, this episode is one of those for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Put us on a mixtape. Yeah, you know, one of those classic podcast mixtapes. Yeah, and you can find us on the internet at Repeater Show. Uh, feel free to tweet at us, uh, comment on the grams, uh, and generally, you know, let us know. Yeah, certainly, if songs like this are in your world, we want to know what they are because maybe they'll do the same thing for us. Yeah, and we do our best to listen to all the songs people talk about. Yeah, uh, it's a lot, and it's a nice array of them, uh, but it's expanding my worldview, and I appreciate that. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, Jake, thanks again so much for being here. Thanks to everybody out there who has been listening. And until next time, hit repeat. Yeah. Repeater is hosted by Evan Ford Barden and Patrick Cartelli. This episode was recorded at Magnet Training Center in New York City, where they offer classes in improv, musical improv, sketch writing, storytelling, and more. Find out more at magnettheater.com. Visit us online at repeater.show for live dates, hot music tips, and show archives. Theme music by the Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater.